0: What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Network Chuck. Uh, Today we're talking about the CCNA, not really getting the CCNA, we're talking about what you do after it. Um, we, We spend so much time talking about, okay, gotta get the CCNA, gotta study, gotta do this. But now that you have it, many of you probably have it, what now? What skills do you need to learn to be competitive in the marketplace, because I'll be honest, a lot of guys out there have, a lot of gals out there have CCNAs. Um, How do you set yourself apart? How do you get yourself ready to work at the best companies and have the coolest jobs? So um, obviously I talk about cloud a lot. I talk about Linux, talk about learning Python. Those are all the next steps. Um, But I wanna talk more real world today. And I've got a guy on the channel today. Um, He's known throughout the Reddit sphere and my Discord channel and everywhere else as the packet thrower. Um, his name is Don, uh, but he does all this amazing stuff every single day. He's a senior consultant at a company and I'm probably not doing justice to his title cause he does a lot of stuff, but he does some amazing stuff every single day. He tells me every, every day he's like, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. So he's going to walk us through, uh, the path we can take after CCNA to kind of get to where he's at. Now it might take a few years to get to his level, but how can we start to learn Linux, Python and all that stuff in, in the cloud and start to apply that to a job. So Don. How you doing, man?
1: Can you hear me this time? <laughs>
0: I hope everyone can hear you. Um, if you're in the chat, <laughs> you let me know right now if you can hear Don. <laughs> oh, my goodness. tried
1: this last week. It didn't quite work out.
0: <laughs> um, so anyways, as I'm checking on the chat, go ahead and let us know. Um, first of all, real quick, tell us what you do for a living right now. What's your title and what's kind of stuff you do on a day-to-day?
1: Uh, Sure. So I am what's called a principal consultant for a large Cisco partner. And basically what that is, is I um, design uh, and implement uh, complex solutions for client requirements. And uh, basically a client will say, hey, I need to upgrade my phones or hey, we need to get to the cloud. And then I would help uh, figure out how to do that. And then I would either do it myself depending on the project or I would work with a team to get the projects done.
0: And what I love about what you do is it's not just like, oh, I'm an Azure guy. Oh, I'm an AWS guy. Like you touch everything. It's whatever, whatever client you deal with. You just have to learn what they they have and you have to work with it, which I think is amazing. Um, so real quick, and that's the reason I brought you on because obviously you, God, you do so many things. For a guy that, has a CCNA, maybe a few years of experience. What would you recommend should be the next steps to kind of get to that role of dipping your toe into the cloud and becoming more devopsy um and maybe even explain what devops is because i know devops is kind of one of those terms that's such a, a buzzword. People are like, "Um, i don't know what that is." So, maybe start with what devops is and kind of go into how can we become like you?
1: Sure. Well, alcoholism helps.
0: <laughs> what are we drinking tonight?
1: Uh, I got a bourbon right now, and then just in case I run out, I have a Scotch on hand. If I, uh, you ask me the tough questions.
0: <laughs> well, I've got coffee, so I'll, I'll be over here getting really jittery and excited, and you'll just be more relaxed. I think we'll balance each other out.
1: Perfect. So, um, actually, um, I've been helping Todd Lamley write his uh, CMA book for um, the upcoming exam, and actually, it. Uh, uh, takes uh, a lot of the uh, new topics that are interesting, like uh, such as automation, and it touches on things such as what DevOps is and uh, what uh, configuration managers is, and uh, why you would automate uh, things with SDN and other solutions. So uh, even if you're a CNA today, I would recommend um, picking up uh, Todd Amley's book at least uh, to uh, see how those systems start to fit together. Uh, it's always good to, um, just continuously evaluate where you are in your skill set. there. Like, uh, don't get to the point where you think, okay, I'm a CCNA, I'm done. Like, uh, if there's an update coming around the corner, it's always a good idea to uh, check and see what's going on. Uh, and, uh, if you're up to the, uh, new exam topics, because what's going to happen is you might be a CCNA, but, uh, if the employer in the interview starts asking you about say, what is DNA Center and you never heard of it, then you effectively don't have a CCNA in the employer's eyes. You no,
0: know, that's that's a cool topic. I want I want to jump in real quick. You made me think of it, and I'm going to ask you about it because um, you're you are helping Todd Lamley write the CCNA book, and you're writing the new topics, aren't you? Yes. So, what are um, would you say the new topics on the CCNA are accurately preparing? the new CCNAs for the types of roles you're kind of working through and the, the, the new roles you see in your company, do you think is accurately pref- preparing us for that? Uh,
1: yep. Yeah. So, uh, I've been Cisco certified for a long time now. Uh, not that I'm an old man or anything, but I've uh, been networking for quite a while and, uh, Cisco's kind of goes back and forth on this kind of exam. Uh, back in the day, you used to have a common CCNA. And then if you wanted to do like the boys track or whatnot, you would, uh, do your common CCNA and then you would do your voice exams. But uh, then uh, the voice people got mad and uh, because why do they have to learn OSPF or whatnot if they want to make a phone call. So uh, uh, Cisco said, okay, fine, Uh, we'll make a CCNA voice uh, collaboration or a voice and collaboration track and you can do that. And it kind of went from there. And then Cisco's kind of going back and saying, okay, well, we don't need a RNS and s exam necessarily. What we want is a common exam that gives you the network fundamentals you need to be a real decent junior. So what they did is they uh, cut out a lot of the um, extra routing switch stuff there. So it's just OSPF routing, for example, um, and uh, you're routing and switching basics, which I don't know and how they, I feel about that. I, with- I think
0: I don't know because yeah, GRP will be in the CCMP Enterprise, but man, why did they why did they take it away? You think it's just because you think they're going to eventually move to OSPF all the way?
1: Uh, I don't think that. Uh, I think the logic was that uh, they said, "Hey, look, uh, this is a common exam. We're covering OSPF a lot deeper than we did in the previous exam, so uh, let's just cover that and then." If you're so uh, smart enough to consider yourself a CCP candidate, then you can figure out EIGRP. Uh, frankly, Cisco's attitude for a lot of the um, non-RNS tracks is <laughs> yes. it's, um, like uh, a lot of people when they write the CCNA, they're spoiled because they can buy Autumn's book or Lamley's book or uh, watch a network type video eventually and uh, pass. But uh, it's not the way uh, that way with, say, the Service provider track or the data center track. Like Some of them don't even have books that you can read. You just have to buy a book on Nexus, for example, and a book on UCS and figure it out from there. Like uh, So Cisco's always been kind of a figure it out on your own if you want to be a certified professional. So I don't think they're really uh, walking away from the HRP. Um, they did try opening it up um a few years ago, uh, but um, other vendors like Juniper or whatnot didn't really um, want to. Uh, touch That's it. the last
0: thing they would do, right? To try and make more interoperability with Cisco stuff. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I always thought they were kind of being stupid if I was being honest, because um, one of the complexities of, uh, for say Juniper, if you wanted to get into a Cisco shop, is they go, "Oh, I'm running EIGRP and." then they have to say, okay, well, now you have to run OSPF as well, and then you gotta do redistribution, and if you're a junior team, that scares you. Uh, what they could have done is just said, okay, we're gonna do a very basic EIGRP implementation, and then now your Juniper uh, SRX firewall is running in your network. <laughs> so, I don't know, I, I disagree with the Juniper marketing, but there's a lot of disagreements I have Juniper. if I'm gonna be honest.
0: Okay, so new CCNA. Uh, but
1: anyway, yeah. uh, Cisco... Yeah, I'll just go back to that. So uh, so they added in wireless, which uh, actually kind of surprised me, not what they added it, but because a lot of people are not worried when they read that uh, exam topic there. Like a lot of people just go, oh, it's just wireless there. But they basically took the CCNA wireless, like the wireless line controllers and APs and how to do configuration, they added that in. That's a massive... Um, Change to the way the CCNA is there because now you can't just do um, GNS3 or uh, Packet Tracer, or whatnot, to do your labs. You actually need a wireless LAN controller and APs if you want to test this, right?
0: Well, you know, I think they they actually put a wireless LAN controller module inside Packet Tracer.
1: I did play with it once. Uh, Frankly, it's kind of terrible. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not, <laughs> don't hold back. It's um. I remember thinking this is god-awful when I looked at it. Um, <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of Packet Tracer. Uh, I'm not gonna be defending fan, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's um, it's definitely room for improvement there. And even if you're uh, moving away from Packet Tracer, which you really should be as you're getting more senior, uh, it's the fact that you need more of a physical lab if you want to test this out and more network components. like. Now your switch needs to be a PoE switch if you want your access point to uh, boot up unless you're gonna buy like a power injector or something like that, right? So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that kind of surprised me how all the nonchalant people are when I talk to people about the new CCNA, they're like, oh yeah, they had a wireless, uh, so it's easier, right? It's like, no, 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 I wouldn't say that. I did the whole CCNP wireless thing. There's a lot to uh, wireless uh, that people may not realize. But uh, then they also added automation. Uh, so uh, mm-hmm. The, the big buzzword, right? Woo! <laughs> big buzzword. And it's actually kind of eye-opening working with um, Todd there because a lot of people think that when you're writing a book for Cisco, they take you into a room and say, okay, Don, we want you to cover this topic. Here's how we want you to cover it. Um, yada, yada, yada. No, they don't do that. They just say, hey, you know those exam topics that are online there? Write that.
0: So. <laughs> and they couldn't be more ambiguous, right? It's like just learn network automation. Okay.
1: <laughs> well, when I was talking to Todd, uh, he when we first uh, decided to partner together on this, um, he um, uh, he asked me, so um, how uh, many chapters do you think I could, or, or how many chapters will it take you to cover the automation stuff? And I had a look and it's like, oh, I think about, three chapters. And he's like, three chapters? Uh, really? Um, is it really that much? Well, you got to think about it. Like, they're saying, like, okay, well, explain uh, JSON output. It's like, well, JSON output is, in and of itself, I can explain it like a paragraph. It's uh, very simple. The whole point of the language there is that it's, uh, hey, here's a thing and here's what it is, right? Yeah. But you uh, have to take a step back, like, okay, well, I can't just say here's JSON. The or is going to be confused. and you are going to forget about what time an exam is. You have to say, okay, well, I have to explain what Python is. I got to talk about um, this and that. And they want the NA added, like Ansible, for example, which is a configuration manager. It's a DevOps tool that does uh, infrastructure as code. And uh, it's like, okay, that's great, but uh, you know, Py, uh, Ansible is written in Python again, so they need to have some Python knowledge there. And it uses YAML, which is a markup language for how uh, the Linux files are done, and uh, so it's like well, now I got to write about YAML. And next thing you know, it's uh, and it's like, well, I can't really explain DevOps if I not like I can't just dive into it. I have to explain like why we got to DevOps, which is actually
0: good. Yeah, because they're assuming that like, you, you have a you have a lot of um, background information to develop to explain one thing. Yeah, so you're talking about explaining JSON and YAML, but there's, I there's I so I think, much like, stuff.
1: One item like yeah. Like uh so like in the chapter, like um I talked about like work silos and uh this is basically where DevOps came from where um in a large company, like uh you have um typically a network team, you have a systems team, and you have a database team and a security team and the all ro uh only work on their stuff. Um so uh basically what happens there is if there's an issue, the network team would check the network ports and then the system team would log on to the server and check their thing and Maybe the security team will log in and check the firewall in the worst case scenario. And uh, yeah, three different teams butting heads uh, just to fix an issue. And then when there's a developer release, when they say, hey, I need a new web server. Well, now your network team needs to create VLANs on the switch. Maybe they need to make an SVI for the IP mm-hmm. address. add that into OSPF. Uh, the security team, if they were doing the firewall, they need to make the NATs and the access rules to uh, make sure that server can get online. Uh, then they also have to validate that server um, the server team actually has to install the operating system and uh, So what you're describing usually, is
0: like a, a scenario where you would need devops because there's so mu- so many operational things that are so tedious
1: this is where devops yeah. come in and solve the problem well, I'm just thinking like one request like how you get a new web server right Yeah. now imagine I, this is like an everyday task there or mm-hmm. there's a uh, like uh, ten applications a day uh, because your company has several applications, and uh, you can see where if you don't use DevOps, your um, your network teams are and everyone else is angry because they're constantly like staying up all day doing change controls or whatnot. Which, yeah, I've
0: been there. I mean, I've been at, like th- this stuff is fairly new, and there's a lot of companies you're still operating without automation in place. So it's like I've been in that situation where I've been so stressed out. Uh, we've been like a one, two man team and we have all these things coming down the pipe and we have to do a lot of stuff. So I, I, I love that they did add this to the CCNA because I could see you learning all the CCNA stuff and being like, okay, but what's this automation stuff? I don't even know. Like I just learned what the stuff was. Why do you need to automate this? So I love that we get a chance to explain what this DevOps thing is. What automation is. And it's like, okay, you you need it for this reason and here's what it is.
1: I mean, honestly, I'm really curious to see what like Odom does because, uh, Frankly, I'm guessing at the material for uh, what Cisco wants there. It's possible Odom says, oh yeah, here's a paragraph and it's done. But I know he put it in a separate book, so he's probably more to it than that. But, uh, uh, I know we're all just waiting for that, that second edition. Aren't we? <laughs> it, right? um, so, uh, I mean, I personally, when I was more of a junior thing, I used to get kind of annoyed because like, I would read um, like the season books at the time and uh, it would be like, Oh yeah, here's this really cool life changing new feature that I'm just introducing you to and I'm not going to show you anything about it so uh, uh we'll talk about that later, never I don't know but uh, <laughs> anyway, here's uh, the next topic and it's like, oh wait a minute like <laughs> so uh I do like to um like uh, like in my book I did an actual like ansible playbook example like to show you how you would actually configure like a network oh
0: perfect because I, I know like the the exam topics are more like describe and know how it works but you don't actually have to configure anything you don't have to know how to configure it which i think is i i, I get it but it's frustrating Is yeah. for someone who's going to be teaching it like you want to show them how to do it i hate just stopping it
1: the answer it's like a, a thing, right like uh, when it's like sdn for example it's like oh yeah so everything up until this book is how networking works and uh by the way, it's completely different now. Uh, but uh, <laughs> by the way,
0: <laughs> so um, just to get back on track real quick. So as far as like what we do after CCNA, um, you're recommending that people jump into the new CCNA, at least the the new exam topics, to see okay, okay. what is what is the industry kind of moving us towards? What does networking look yeah. like in the in the form of DevOps? And then where do we? It's
1: always good to know, uh, like just a refresher. Whether it's you have a Safari subscription and you just skim the book or you watch like a CT nugget or however you want to do it, just make sure you're aware of the talking points because if you're working, you might need to do it because you're interviewing someone and or your boss wants to know or uh, you just don't want to get uh, surprised there when they say, hey, uh, we're bringing in the DNA center and you go, oh, what's that? And it's like, oh, well, uh, you know, the new CNA we hired knows all about it. It's like, you don't want to uh, stand in the way of progress there. you want to try and stay ahead and that's kind of how you get, more senior things there like uh, there was a time there where you made a good living just plugging in a server in a Mm -hmm. uh, server rack and uh, popping in a Windows uh, DVD and uh, installing Server 2008 and then uh, walking away and then uh, some other guy did the rest of the task but nowadays there you may be uh, installing one of those racks a year and it's probably not a special team and uh, then it's all just a virtual team that's running so that guy who wasn't learning how secm worked or uh, whatever deployment manager at the time were virtual machines uh like vmware was being done then uh he's probably working at starbucks right now because he didn't want to you know at the time so you have to try and not and, starbucks
0: corporate the starbucks uh storefront <laughs> yeah because <yeah>. <laughs> i would pretty, love to work uh, at starbucks corporate
1: <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, uh, I mean, it's a harsh example, but you got to um, continuously evaluate where you are and where you want to be. And, uh, you know, uh, always be labbing is something that is a good mentality to have. Like, uh, yeah, I
0: love that. Yeah, that's, that's the name of the game now. You, you have to always keep learning, especially like developers and programmers have known this for a long time. Um, and it seems to be really shaking up our industry to act because to, we're, we're putting our infrastructure into more of a code mentality. And I'm like, oh, we have to learn this new stuff. We have to. And it's always changing. Um, so I think for a a lot of old people who have been in the industry for a long time, it's going to be a big upset. I think the, the new people coming into the industry are going to have an advantage because that's going to be all they know. Um, and we're, we're just, we're just telling them keep learning, keep learning. Don't stop. Don't stop.
1: Though we are interesting. Uh, we are going to hit an interesting roadblock soon, um, which I've been discussing with some other more senior people is that, um, we're, uh, the juniors are going to know that eventually, but what's going to happen now is they're going to be using tools like uh, DNA Center for managing the network. And DNA Center an, is an SDN solution that abstracts a lot of the complexities.
0: And that's Cisco's like, uh, offering, right? So it's Cisco's all-in-one solution for their network automation. Yeah.
1: So, like, for example, its premier app is something called Software Defined Access. And essentially what it is is it brings to you what's called intent-based networking. And the idea is uh, if you want to say marketing cannot talk to sales, you know, handler, <laughs> uh, marketing can't talk to sales, um, then uh, the idea is you just tell DNA Center that and it configures the appropriate permissions there so you don't have to like figure out what the marketing VLAN is and make access lists. It just does it for you. It's uh, Basically, you tell the network your intent and it does it. So that's cool, but if you pull back the layer of what that is, that is uh, VXLAN for um, uh, layer two VPNs, that is BGP, that is multicast, that is TrustSec, which is a Cisco wise security uh, solution. Yeah. So, anyway, that's a lot, a lot of words of right there. there. <laughs> a lot of words. Uh, is, uh, but, but the thing is, uh, so when it's working, a junior can do this. Oh, so you just click, click. click. But when that's not working and you got to troubleshoot, you're instantly, and in not just CC, uh, CCIE territory, you're uh, currently, you're like uh, doing um, CCIE uh, road and switch for the BGP stuff, you're doing CCIE security for the um, TrustSec stuff, and you're doing uh, CCIE data center for the VXLAN. So uh, wow. your juniors are gonna be, um, Like uh, you can hire a junior and they can have an easier path to entry because they don't need to learn all this crazy network stuff. But your intermediates and your seniors are going to have a lot more work to uh, prove their thing. Because if you're looking at the actual independent uh, components of that, that's a lot of complexity that we're just kind of glossing over.
0: So we're, we're pretty far away from like just a company thinking, Oh, I can go buy a DNA center and I can hire this guy. I'm paying 10 bucks an hour just to sit there and click stuff. We're still going to need people who know what's happening behind the scenes, at least for the time being, until it's way smarter than we are, which uh, maybe next year, I don't know.
1: Right now, uh, Like networking has uh, especially has a massive, uh, skill, uh, skill shortage. And, Frankly, what's not happening is a lot of the colleges have picked up a uh, cyber or, or cybersecurity craze, and so <laughs> the craze. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, I kind of call this a snake oil because uh, I mean, yes, um, cybersecurity is a great industry and whatnot. Uh, please don't hack me, but uh, <laughs> but uh, did you hear that guy? Probably, he said,
0: "Hack me." That's all I heard.
1: <laughs> but uh, the point is that. Um, the uh, cybersecurity is a very specific um, niche, and it's not um, and it's not going into um, like how uh, you configure servers, how you configure the network. It's just focusing on, hey, here's how you do uh, web security. So the problem is that the security industry is actually more senior than a lot of the other infrastructure things there, because they expect you to have experience in networking and infrastructure to actually get a good job so uh but the junior level is pretty easy because they just need someone to like run a report and click it up so what's going to happen is the um security level is going to get um uh overflown because they already have enough juniors and they're not good enough for uh, the infrastructure or infrastructure stuff and the senior people don't want it there and basically we're just kind of thing where the it teams are just gonna have a really hard time hiring new people of uh especially for the intermediate and the seniors, because it's hard to get those people already. And uh, so that's where like DevOps and whatnot is gonna be critically important there because if you're if it's gonna take uh, six months to actually hire replacement there then you've got to make sure that your workloads and stuff are as efficient as possible.
0: Yeah so that that's that that bleeds into the next point where um like Cisco's telling us in the CCNA, okay here's how we approach network automation. Um here's kind of a DevOpsy mindset. But then what it doesn't cover is the cloud and how we're extending our networks and sometimes even replacing our on-prem networks with cloud infrastructure. Um how do what skill set do you see that we need to start moving that direction? And do you think that it's it would be advantageous for someone to start jumping on that right now?
1: So the best way to think of the cloud is someone else's data center. Uh so um the uh If you actually break apart your cloud duties, you have a lot of networking. Like your CCNA, CCMP, CCIE skills do not go away when you use Amazon or Google Cloud or Azure. Like uh, just the other day I did a large Azure Express Rail project there with BGP and uh, connecting that to internal infrastructure and there's a lot of routing and stuff in place to make that happen. And, you, and you're so, just
0: uh, just so people know you're an Azure expert and that's not just saying like oh he knows a lot. No, like you literally have the Azure expert certification, like the the top 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 one, right?
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, remind me in a bit, I'll tell you. It's actually a funny story. <laughs> uh, but um, so anyway, the point is uh, you do need to have really strong uh, networking. But uh, the cloud is not just networking. You also need, um, before I leave the networking point, you also have virtual routers in the cloud. Like, you can still have a Cisco router or a Cisco firewall be or do your routing inside the cloud. Like, you don't just uh, throw that skill set away. But beyond that, you also need your Windows and your Linux skills. Uh, You need to actually be able to, like, make the virtual machines that run in the cloud, and you need to... um, Know how to run the various tools. So, uh, I would recommend working on, um, like, uh, if not even just doing the certifications, just getting the knowledge of uh, learning um, infrastructure skills. So, like, try and work towards MCSA kind of knowledge so you understand how PowerShell works and how Active Directory and Windows servers and such work. Uh, and then, uh, likewise, uh, start working towards um, doing your. Uh, working towards your Linux skills, uh, whether it's Linux Plus or you wanna go straight to Red Hat or whatnot, but. What would you uh, recommend? Linux Plus or Red Hat? Yeah,
0: yeah, I'm gonna make you say it, because I I know CompTIA doesn't have a great name amongst people who have been in the industry for a bit. Um, What's your opinion on that?
1: Well, if I was gonna be nice, um, (laughs) someone has to be at the bottom of the industry, there's no harm in being at the bottom, and the bottom is named CompTIA. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and it's perfectly fine because comptia's data goal is I'll get into it here so uh, CompTIA to say or comtia their stated goal is that they want you to basically get your first job in IT which is usually help desk or call center that kind of thing so uh, that's fine but um, the problem that comptia has for more senior things like the reason why network plus um, as it stands is, not necessarily going to outrank the CCNA anytime soon is because uh, Comtia has a vendor vendor neutral approach which some people think is actually a good thing but it's really not because what you're saying at the end of the day is I understand the gist of OSPF, but I have no idea how to
0: use it. <laughs> I got the gist. No, I like that. It's all about gists with uh, CompTIA.
1: <laughs> yeah. So CompTIA is actually really good for more non-technical people, such as project managers or um, managers who just want to be able to talk to their team if they didn't grow for the ranks. Uh, get their, like a typical uh, corporate guy who's now the network manager. I would recommend him do Network Plus because it's relatively painless and he at least knows the jargon to a point.
0: Okay. Okay. So as far as like learning Linux, I mean, I, I was impressed with the Linux Plus. I haven't completed it yet. Um, I know you have it, right?
1: So Linux Plus is not Linux Plus. It's LPEC One. They're just changing that, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Well, they're, well, no, they they just changed it to where Linux Plus is now not affiliated with uh, LPEC One, right? But
1: uh, for the longest time, Linux Plus had a good reputation because it wasn't really uh, Linux Plus. It was white labeling LPIC 1. (laughs)
0: Right, right, yeah.
1: So LPIC LPIC actually has a pretty good reputation on Linux. But frankly, if you want a system-in job in Linux, there really is Red Hat or nothing.
0: Mm, Gotcha, gotcha. So as far as um, learning Linux to just complement your DevOps journey, would you say Linux Plus is more than enough?
1: Yeah, that's uh, perfect. Uh, like uh, I've looked at the Linux Plus. Like I actually have the Linux Plus. I'm Linux Plus for life. Uh, <laughs> plus, uh, I got it before they had an expiry policy.
0: Wow! Like 1933.
1: When was that? Not <laughs> uh, that long ago. I actually have four uh, CompTIA certifications for life. I have um, I have uh, Network Plus, Security Plus, A Plus, and uh, Linux Plus.
0: Oh wow! Okay, all right. Have you taken the new you know, Linux Plus?
1: I got them after my CCNA because uh, I was young and naive and people convinced me that CompTIA was the future.
0: Oh, so you got CompTIA certs after CCNA? Yeah. How, how'd that do for you?
1: <laughs> There's a reason I'm bitter. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's funny. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so I would say um, when I tell you to learn Linux and uh, Windows and whatnot, like uh, for one, uh you gotta be the um, uh, vendor agnostic or whatnot there. Like, if you're gonna be like, uh, "Oh, Microsoft sucks" or whatever, uh, uh, you gotta just uh, hold your nose and learn both solutions there. Because really, uh, you don't want to be the guy who's good at one thing and then they talk to someone else for everyone else. You want to be the guy. So uh, that means that uh, you know, spend the time, learn how to make a domain controller, learn how to. Do some PowerShell. It's really not that bad, I promise. <laughs> and then uh, do the same thing with Linux. Uh, now, do this as a secondary task. Like uh, the main thing is, if you want to be a network guy, the most important thing is your network fundamentals. Because mm, uh, good, I like that. Because uh, I tell, I say this a lot uh, online on Reddit and Discord and whatnot. But uh, uh, knowing how to automate things is great. But if you don't understand what you're automating, it's useless. Because, uh, I mean, I can write, I can show you how to write a Python script that will configure BGP on a router, and we'd probably do it in like 30 lines or so, and probably take us 10 minutes, no effort at all. But if you don't actually know what you're pushing to, say, 30 routers to configure that BGP, then that's where you get into resume-generating territory because. Uh, Uh, Python is not going to help you understand how a neighbor relationship works or what happens when you redistribute this into that, right? Like uh, you still need to understand the logic of what you're doing and that's why I say always focus on your network stuff or if you want to be a systems person focus on your system stuff but uh, at the end of the day uh, when I'm interviewing you uh, it's great that you know how to do uh, print statement and Python but I'm probably going to be asking you what a VLAN is not what i would ask you that kind of question so uh,
0: i i think i want to interject one thing here i think this would be kind of fun and i'm if i don't say it now i'll forget it um so if you were to interview someone to hire them as like a network position but they'll be doing what kind of you do um cloud stuff to be like maybe your junior or something um Mm -hmm. what are some skills they would need to know and what are some questions you might ask them
1: well the first thing you got to remember is that um uh the first thing that I gotta remember is that um I know as a job seeking person, like finding a job seems like impossible and uh like everyone's out to get you, but it's really not that way. Like it's uh the first thing to keep in mind is that uh it's kinda like with online dating there. There's a lot of fish in the sea, right? So uh when you put your resume out there and you send like, oh, this is the perfect thing, we're we're meant to be together, uh I'm planning on my way. Yeah, you're already in love. That's great, yeah. <laughs> but, that, uh, but that pretty girl might already have like a thousand uh, other uh, winky faces sent to her, right? <laughs> so, um, uh, and it's the same thing with job postings. So uh, the first thing to keep in mind, and Skip saying this there before I forget, is that uh, uh, it can literally be a lottery sometimes. Um, they, uh, where if I put a job posting out, there's usually at least 100 people applying. Sometimes they're better than you, sometimes they're less than you, and sometimes just uh, where they end up ranking there. Goodness, so uh, what's the first
0: thing you do to kind of separate the good from the bad?
1: Well, when you're picking the resume, and we'll get to the interview questions in a sec, but uh, I feel like people don't really talk about this side of the thing all that often, (laughs) is that um, the um, the HR software, uh, people think that HR is like this uh, big, mystical uh, hurdles that they have to jump over, and if they can just trick the HR team, uh, then uh, the IT team will love them. But uh, in reality, HR does a lot less for candidate selection than you think. Uh, uh, Usually it's the IT team who picks the resume, and then the HR software will um, sort the resumes based on keyword matches. So for example, if I have a keyword for CCNA, and, like, say, Cisco, then it might give you a ranking of, say, 70%. So what I would recommend uh, is if you uh, work in a network job and you say, um, hey, I worked on some Cisco routers and move on because you want to have a short resume, don't do that. Say, hey, I worked on a 3,900 router or a Cisco, or a Cisco 4,000 router or a Cisco 800. Like, uh, you want Cisco in there as much as you can get away without being obnoxious, right? So you want to pound that. It sounds like you're That's making
0: a YouTube video. You're putting all the keywords in there. That's why I, I do the same thing. <laughs> yeah,
1: you know, uh, uh, you could call it clickbait for a resume. So anyway, <laughs> anyway once you get that, uh, like, uh, um, sometimes it's like, uh, it depends on what I'm hiring for. If I'm hiring for a senior, I look a lot deeper. If it's a junior, then frankly, the junior resume is a, to be a bit funny is a blank piece of paper in my eyes. Is like, do they have the CCNA, Yes or no, and uh, uh, pick uh, a few names that uh, I won't get tired um, screaming uh, a few times a day. Like, uh, <laughs> but uh, so,
0: but co- college, yay, nay. Uh,
1: college is not a huge deal. Um, So uh, it gets complicated. Like uh, there's no monolithic company standard, right? So, I mean, you can always get the company that says you must go to Harvard to work here. But generally speaking, you probably don't want to work for those companies anyway. (laughs) Um, Generally speaking, um, college is the last thing I look at, if I even look at it, because the quality of graduates is so abysmal and so um, uh, scattershot that uh, it's really do they have a it or not is – the main divider for uh, a junior because uh, if you look on Reddit, especially on networking, you see like every year there's people like freaking out, like help, I'm graduating and I know nothing and uh, I can not even pass the CCNA right now. It's like, yeah, that's why. (laughs) (laughs) Like uh, I'm not putting a lot of stock into your uh, degree. I'm sorry. That's that's Uh, awesome to uh, hear uh, that
0: (laughs) for someone who hires people on the regular. That's incredible to
1: hear. Yep. So um, it's – Yeah, so it's not a huge deal. I mean, um, if you do call, like if you're in college, don't drop out. Now, on my word, finish it. I mean, like uh, you're in it. But uh, if you're thinking about it, um, I would actually recommend that college is better when you're a senior, because as you want to transition into management, that's where an MBA becomes useful.
0: So I I always Uh, tell people that if you if you absolutely need a degree. Um, wait until you get that first job and wait until you find a company that will pay for your degree.
1: Yeah, exactly. By the time the company is interested in you getting management, you have a decent shot of the company paying for, um, your MBA, uh, because they want to invest in you and then the expectation is you stay with them for longer. Oh yeah. Bit, Cause so. it's so hard
0: to find people who, who are skilled, but also have a good culture fit with, with their company. That's so hard to find.
1: Yeah. So don't. So just uh, sign up for his MBA right now, but in 10 years time, when you're uh, like uh, on a seniorish level and you're kind of approaching the ceiling, then maybe that's the time to start talking to management like, hey, uh, what are my options for MBA? And they might say nothing and you say, okay, fine, I'll do it on my own. Or you might say, hey, we can work this out as some kind of deal uh, between us. But anyway, I have one thing, or Basically for interviews, um, I'm not a huge rapid-fire kind of guy uh, unless I start distrusting your resume. Typically speaking, I um, I trust your resume until I find reasons not to, and then I start drilling down. So the first thing to remember is that everything on your resume, it, you must be able to defend. So uh, what I mean by that is my favorite thing in resumes is when a candidate says uh, they know MPLs, <laughs> and uh, the reason they write MPLS is because they have a router um, like they worked at a place and they had an MPLS link somewhere.
0: And, and, it, and it's like, like vendor that, provided, right? Like all I do is just have that MP- private.
1: Yeah. Uh, they don't like uh, if they didn't, someone didn't tell them it was MPLS, they would never know. Exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, if I see that, I'll usually ask them like, so what's a PE router? And like, which is the, where the ISP connects the MPLS link for the listeners. But um, anyway, so I'll poke the resume a bit. Um, I'm, I kind of feel I'm sorry for some people who I interviewed because I worked for or worked with a vast array of things, like a honestly a shocking amount of things. If you're, I'm going to chew my own horn here, so oh, no, no, uh, he's he's not people... kidding, guys. I
0: mean, like seriously, you every technology I mentioned, I talk with him about. He's like, oh yeah, I just did that yesterday. I'm like, are you kidding me? And then you'll mention things I don't even know what they are. I have to Google it. I'm like, wow, that is pretty cool. So you you touch everything. Yeah. It's it's absurd, and I'm jealous. But anyways, continue. <laughs>
1: So anyway, when they say, like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, um, I um, wor- worked on uh, Acatel Lucent, I'm like, oh, really? What'd you do? I used to do that for the ISPs. And <laughs> so anyway, uh, some uh, some interviews are harder to trick than others, but I would recommend uh, just remember most interviewers are probably not stupid or at least don't assume they are. So uh, they let, they value honesty and being genuine and earnestness and whatnot. So uh, don't lie, like, don't try and trick me and say, oh yeah, I worked on this one time, just hope there's no follow-up question or whatnot, and don't cram for the interview like a day before. Like uh, a lot of people are tempted to be like, uh, hey, uh, Dawn, um, I'm uh, brushing, uh, I had an interview tomorrow. I'm like, okay, cool. It's like, yeah, so I'm uh, setting up uh, MPLS sham links on OSPF. It's like, you're just a CCNA. Like, What are you doing? No. So
0: I have have a quick question and I'm going to ask you random questions that pop into my head so I don't forget them. Um, What's your opinion on people putting like, uh, I did, I I messed with 3750 or whatnot in my lab, not in real life. What do you, what do you think when you see that on their resume? Uh,
1: First of all, don't put it on your resume. Um, You can mention it on your cover letter if you have a cover letter. Okay. You should probably have a cover letter. Um, and, um, or I mentioned in the interview. Here's why. Because um, it's great that you have uh, your own Active Directory domain at home and it's great that you run VMware at home. And But I have no idea what the hell for that is. I have no idea if it's the most horrific Active Directory sites and services I've ever exactly. seen in my life. I have no idea if you have... 50 uh, OUs embedded uh, into each other, which is a bad thing, by the way. And um, or uh, and I have no idea if you just went on Discord and said, uh, hey, uh, Network Chuck uh, gang, um, how do I set up Active Directory? And then uh, you end up having a bourbon. and said, oh yeah, you just type this command. He's like, oh, thanks, Donald. And that's how you have an Active Directory lab. So I have no way of uh, assessing the quality of it. I can ask you, but I might ask you bits and pieces more just out just interest to see what you do. Like, uh, we do like to hear that you are labbing and stuff in interviews. Like we like people who are eager and learning, like, um, uh, mm-hmm. especially like, uh, frankly, it's good when you're a junior, but it's just frankly expected when you're intermediate and senior. Like, um, uh, I am always laughing something. Sometimes it's out of interest and sometimes it's just because, um, I need to know what I'm talking about the next week and I want to be making sure I'm not, uh, Messing up there, like today, for example, I played with a tool called uh, Data Center Network Manager from Cisco, which um, orchestrates uh, a type of Layer Two VPN called uh, eVPN, but anyway, the point is, uh, I'm expecting a conversation about that uh, coming up there, and I wanted to make sure that, okay, is it this way or this way, and so anyway, the point is, uh, you always, you have, the main role is you have to like this stuff, like, if you, uh, get into phones for example and you hate your or and you hate phones like you just hate everything about it but you heard there's good money, you're gonna hate your life there when Yeah, you're spending all your for where you're uh, trying to make a phone ring a different dial tone.
0: Hey, I have to ask this okay. question before I forget. Um someone's asking uh, what's your opinion on Netgear? <laughs> they they, they just that. want to hear you say it.
1: <laughs> well you know, I said it before, there's no shame of being at the bottom. Someone's got to be at the bottom. <laughs> no, here's at the bottom.
0: <laughs> Good. Okay. We got that out of the way. Um, so I, I want to drill just a little bit more into the, the putting lab on your resume, what, because I, I can see people who get through CCNA, they're gonna have a hard time finding that first job. And we, we, we talked about how the HR machine will look for keywords and it's kind of like just playing the, the SEO game on your resume. So maybe putting, I I play with 3750. I play with this and like explicitly saying, this is my home lab. This is what I set up Would that like, if they highlighted the fact that it was a home lab, would that still be kind of a weird flag for you? Or would you be okay with
1: that? It's, uh, and every interview is different. So, uh, like it's not like it's Dawn's way or the highway, but, um, frankly, it's more of a roll my eyes more than, uh, you know, rip up their resume. So, uh. If you can find a way to do it tasteful, like maybe do a lab section on the end of the resume and just say, like, hey, I have a 3850 or whatnot. But it could also hurt you, too, in other ways. Uh, there's no real good answer for this kind of stuff because uh, – Well, it's, it's going to be say-
0: based on the person, right? It could be situational, every single person. Well, I mean,
1: it's all situational, right? Like if you have uh, – oh, yeah, my lab's 3550s. Well, I went end of life like 2007, right? Yeah. <laughs> so so uh, 2005, 2007, somewhere in that area. Like, um, it, uh, you have to do crazy things to make IP version 6 and stuff work there. So now all of a sudden, um, and, like, Span is completely different. You had to have, like, a reflector port to make it work. The point is that <laughs> it's, um, the point is that um, when you put a name on, like, I did a 3550 lab, uh, if you're looking at it, it's like, okay, cool, he labs. But if you're looking more deeper at it, like, well, it's like, well, he's obviously not doing a CCI lab because his gears up of date and that kind of stuff. So you kinda you can tell more than you intend to. I know I'm just kind oh, yeah, yeah, of fear mongering. Oh yeah, yeah,
0: of course. Of course.
1: But um, I would say it's best to put it in the cover letter. Um, if you want to put it in a like separate section, like lab or something, like put it near the bottom. I think most people would be fine with that. Cool. Okay.
0: Yeah. Now let me
1: I, i've always and uh, i have stress enough make sure it's real like don't say you have like a nexus uh 9k lab there because if i ask you <laughs> so where'd you get that I... <laughs> yeah, well, oh yeah and uh, if i ask you like well how do you turn on o... or how do you enable SPF and you don't know it's like oh well, you're a liar <laughs> that's not a good opinion for an interviewer to have um uh, but, yeah, I have one interesting or one favorite question I like to ask uh, for everyone, and I like it because it fits everyone. So what I have them do is, because uh, I do a lot of consultant assessments um, or a uh, higher level, is um, I like to have them draw a network on the whiteboard that they designed or worked on, mm. depending on the And then I uh, would basically, once they draw it, I would have, uh, like, draw an X on the board, like uh, – and then say, how would this post get to Google, for example? And then uh, the person can um, explain the workflow. So, if they're the why I really like this question is the person can answer it as deep as they are able to. So, like if you're a junior, you can just say, "Just goes to Google, man. What do you want from me?" <laughs> um, whereas if you're a senior, you can go, "Can uh, you really want to get deeper?" You can say, "Well, you know the." interface sends an ARP and then their the Mac address table gets built and then like it uses the OSPF route to get to here and uh, and then it uh, hits the firewall and there's a source. In it. Like you can uh, hit all those components and show the understanding. And then uh, what I typically like to do after that is I would like draw an X over a component if it's like a redundant network going up and then say like, okay, well, how's your answer changed now? So I like to try and find like scenarios that uh, pull the knowledge more than asking, um, you know, what administrative distance. That's so funny
0: you said that. I was going to say, oh, ask administrative distance. That's the first thing that came to my mind too. (laughs) No, that's good because you're Uh, you're, you're uh, forcing them to, you know, actually troubleshoot an issue or think about how it works instead of just knowing a fact, which is so important.
1: And you also have to remember, like as a consultant, I'm very interested in your ability to present and, Articulate things, so I'm trying to, uh, you know, uh, throw so I'll throw curveballs and stuff out there just to see or react to it. But uh, generally speaking, um, for if a more senior resource is asking you um, uh, lower level questions, then it's usually not a good sign because typically speaking, I would assume if I'm talking to you, you know, OSPF, uh, I might ask a couple problem questions like. Uh, Maybe a couple of flavor questions, like, "Hey, what's your favorite routing protocol?" <laughs> <laughs> that kind of stuff. But um, at the end of the day, um, like, it's like, okay, that checks out. And I'll just uh, because eventually, like, if you're exaggerating or lying or whatnot, um, you usually get caught uh, by the process. Because what happens when you cram uh, the day before is uh, basically eventually you get trapped because you say, "Oh yeah." I, uh, uh, yeah, I know all the LSAs and yada yada yada, and then, then I ask you like, oh yeah, so, um, uh, you know, I had this issue the other day, and OSPF was stuck in extra. What's that about? And you're like, oh, and it's like, it's like, uh, oh okay, so you know all the LSAs, but you don't know that MTU needs to match, eh? Okay, you're probably uh I need to pull this thread a little bit more.
0: Interesting. Okay, I, I love the way that would be a fun interview. Um, and that might terrify a lot of people. Um, so it's good that you interview like that. Uh, so as far as, cause so that that would be a junior level role, right? So, just CCNA test and see if they know the knowledge. Um, do you ro- look for anything else like knowing Python, Linux, um, playing with Ansible? Do you do you desire any of that?
1: Um. I view them more as Hmm. nice-to-haves. So um, the main thing to take away is what I said there is that never forget your network fundamentals. Like if I'm hiring you or anyone's hiring you for a network role, whether it's network analyst or specialist or network administrator, we want you to be able to do the job. Uh, So there's two things on that there. One is that uh, a junior is probably not going to be asked to say, hey, Bob, uh, I need you to automate the network by five. Okay, see ya. Like it's, uh, that's not a thing that's gonna happen because one is a massive liability for the company and two it's uh, probably not something you would have just assigned to a junior. Like, okay, here's your first task, let's see how you do. Um, So uh, you'll learn, and it depends on your company too. Like, um, so like for example, if your company runs SolarWinds, which is a network monitoring solution uh, Do you look
0: for that resumes,
1: su- by the way? Um, well, there's two kinds of resumes. There's an the experienced resume and then there's the junior resume, mm-hmm. right? So uh, a junior resume, you're usually just looking for a body and you're usually looking for someone who's uh, pleasant, showers. Um,
0: and <laughs> a lot of guys are like, dang uh, it. <laughs>
1: doesn't look <laughs> like that kind of stuff. Like, uh, you know, a uh, nice sane person that you can take home to mom. Um. Like uh, someone you don't uh, like, uh, I can hang out with this person. He's a personable. He, uh, you know, uh, uh, I'm willing to give this guy a chance. And then uh, your other skills will go, but the actual shop, um, the actual shop will determine like your automation skills. Like if you have solo wins, they have a tool that does uh, uh, called Network Configuration Manager, and I actually managed to talk about this in my CCNA book finally. <laughs> oh, you talked about um, it
0: in the CCNA book. That's awesome. Yeah, I. I'm a huge yep. SolarWinds advocate. I used in the past like two companies, I, and I love it. It's amazing.
1: Would it shock you to hear I'm SolarWinds certified? No, it would not. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's expired, though. I think I need to renew it. But um, but uh, anyway. Um, oh, by the way, guys, the, I got SolarWinds links
0: it, below if you want to check it out. Anyways,
1: go ahead. <laughs> it's fun for laps. Um, but anyway, uh, the point is uh, SolarWinds has a way of uh, backing up configuration natively because if you pay for that module that does the backups and stuff, and it can also push configurations. So if you have that environment that's made that investment, you don't need to write a Python script or an Ansible mm-hmm. script to back up all your data because as long as SolarWinds is working healthy, and frankly, I've seen a lot of unhealthy SolarWinds, but that's another conversation. Um, but uh, as long as that's running healthy, you don't need to do that because uh SolarWinds has its own scripting language uh that you can use to push templates and whatnot. And uh you can do most of your configuration. And Cisco has um it used to be uh prime infrastructure, which is technically still around, and that's gonna be uh eventually called uh DNA center. Mm-hmm. They're moving that function to it. But uh if uh, one of those solutions is in place, you don't necessarily need to write a script that uh, does things there, but sometimes it's not in place and you need to do it there. Like a real world example that I had is um, I did some work for a large company and uh, basically what happened is they had an outsourced uh, managed service that they ended the contract with and um, they uh, wanted me they had about a thousand devices, and uh, they wanted me to, um, uh, or they wanted me to basically map out the network so we can find the re-architecture. Oh wow, that's gonna be fun. <laughs> that was fun. Uh, so, but uh, so um, I asked them like, okay, um, is my account added? I'm like, oh, it's gonna be a few days. I'm like, why is it gonna be a few days? And like, oh, they got a team of uh, twelve people in India, like logging in all the devices to add your credentials. No
0: way! There's
1: there's like a thousand devices, right? Individually
0: SSHing into these machines and adding your credentials locally. Oh my goodness!
1: (laughs) So then I was like, uh, so wouldn't she know it? They, um, they I can't remember the exact issue. Um, I needed to verify something. I. The details are hazy, but uh, so anyway, uh, I was looking at it there and the first thing I proposed is, okay, we're adding solar ones to this project and I'm going to build this for you uh, <laughs> as part of a, let's get this going because we need some this is insanity, but uh, the other thing I did is I used Ansible which is a configuration manager to pull all the devices because I needed, to, oh, that's what it was, I need to verify my access on all the devices mm. before the uh, contract ended because once the contract ended, they're basically they delete all their side and if you don't have luck uh or if you can't log in that sucks to be you kind of thing right so uh so anyway i wrote a ansible script um or a playbook is what it's called and i had it log on all the devices there and just run like a show ip interface brief and uh, record the output so i knew everything that was running and i that worked for most of them there but some of the devices were really old um because Ansible uses SSH, so I had to then use um, the Telnet module in Python to write a little script to connect to the ones I couldn't connect to. <laughs> so anyway, that's a practical example of um, like using our scripting to solve a problem there, but uh, at the end of the day, I didn't say, okay, well, this is great, I'm gonna just use Ansible backup configurations. We said, okay, well, they have money for solar ones, just Deploy solar winds and let's not think about this anymore. You no, know,
0: and I love that you brought up solar because like solar has been doing network automation for a while now, um, and I just thought it was so like. And you'd have to be a company that could afford it, right? Because it's definitely not cheap, especially if you if you want it redundant, because you're basically paying for two copies of SolarWinds. winds. Um, but
1: it, yeah, well you have to remember, uh, cost is relevant and, or um, is relative in business. Like I know a lot of people they hear like. You paid $50,000 for that switch? Are you crazy? I could buy a car for that. It's like, well, you could, but, you know, if the switch goes down, your company's done. So what are you going to do? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, same, so same with ones. It's more how you justify the cost. Like, it gets very pricey because uh, so the ones they charge by the element, which is every interface or item. Uh, so if you have a 48-port switch, you need 48 licenses if you want to monitor all your... Interfaces. I remember begging Sorry. my
0: company to get SolarWinds, and we I, we'd have to piecemeal it because you know there's they they give you the network uh, configuration manager, they give you um, the, just the network monitoring piece, and you have the system uh, monitoring piece, and you have SQL, then you have the app monitor, and like it's, it's all these individual pieces that are so much money. Um, we eventually got the entire thing, but it took a while.
1: Okay. I always used to tell SolarWinds when I was more friendly with them um, three things uh, in concession. One, your um, syslog parser sucks. Rebuild it. Two, your SNMP uh, trap parser sucks. Rebuild it. And three, for the love of God, have an all-access pass where we can just pay like uh, ten grand a year or whatever and get all oh your modules. Because oh. that
0: would have been great. So, um, I, I think what was my original question? Oh yeah, if so, do you look for people who, like who have skills in SolarWinds? Because it's kind of a skill in and of itself to know how to use it, and especially set it up. Because it's setting it up is a whole task. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so basically uh, going back to what I think I was going for was uh, <laughs> was that um, for a junior, the thing to remember is like I know a lot of juniors are like, okay, well, I'm going to get uh, uh, CCNA and then I'm going to get an MCSA and then I'm going to get a Linux Plus and uh, maybe I'm going to go CCMP right away. Don't do that, by the way. And, um, uh, and I'm going to be uh, like this really impressive certified person. But um, for one, getting too many certifications is actually um, – it has a negative effect on you uh, when you don't have experience to explain it. Because um, uh, just to unpack that a real bit is that like a CCP for example, says you have at least one year quality network, ex- um, one year of quality experience doing network administration stuff, right? So if you never actually touched a switch before, then you're going to be called uh, what's known as a paper cert, mm-hmm. which is a certain name only. And that's where you get torn apart in interviews, or not even called because the junior positions will seem you're overqualified. Because well, why is the CCP uh, going for this tech support job? He's obviously going to quit as soon as Comcast is hiring. Oh yeah, good and, point. And uh, the more senior people going like, I'm not going to hire a guy like uh, like uh, when the hell did he get CCP experience working at AMW? and
0: <laughs> Well, that's great um, because. So let's say that if someone came, like a resume came across your desk, you had two resumes, one was CCNA and one was CCNP. Same, uh, like they just, they're looking for an, a fresh job. You would pick the CCNA over the MP every time?
1: Um, there is a factor and that factor is curiosity. So um, <laughs> you bring them both in. <laughs> it becomes, a, it comes down to the um, luck of the draw. So if, um, I typically want to do, and most people, they aim for about three to four interviews for a position. Like, we don't want to do this all week kind of thing, right? So, uh, especially if it's like a multi-interview kind of process. So, uh, if, uh, like, almost every position that you put out is going to have at least 10 to... Uh, um, ten resumes, and sometimes up to like a thousand. Remember, one time I was hiring a software developer, or hiring for a software developer at a company, and uh, the uh, guy from uh, Kuwait or whatever sent a thing saying, uh, "I know Microsoft, please ro- relocate." <laughs> <And it's> like, <laughs> and like, Thanks for trying, buddy, but I think I'm okay. Uh, <laughs> Uh, So anyway, um, if the pool is light, like, uh, so basically of that, let's say there's 10 candidates, if let's say there's a CCIE and a CCMP and maybe a CCNA and everyone else has nothing else, then if I want to do three interviews, um, I will probably just pick the certified people and skip the other ones. Uh, the exception is uh, diversity requirements so um, basically that's where HR actually steps in for um, most of the hiring Mm -hmm. process and they look for um, uh, diversity requirements Uh, I'm not quite sure what you guys call them in the states but I'll assume it's something similar but uh, basically the idea is that uh, like uh, for a number of reasons we don't need to get into uh, they uh like if a woman for example applies there we are heavily encouraged to pick that woman for an interview because uh it's good optics and uh so on and yeah and so forth, right? yeah like so, uh you know to uplift the minority kind of thing um that probably doesn't sound right but you know what i mean no no um, I mean, yeah
0: we, we we're all familiar with it
1: yeah so um so anyway that's the case there were uh uh, then it becomes, well, maybe that CCNA gets bumped or maybe we just do four interviews. It depends on the situation. Or maybe we just say, like, okay, look, she's worked at Starbucks for five years and there's no CCNA on here. Like, uh, this is probably a waste of time. And it depends on what HR says, right? right. Uh, but anyway, um, I forgot what I was answering here. I kind of oh, <laughs> if, if I you had CCNA
0: uh, versus, like, CCNP, the, for the junior level, right, uh, what's the red flag? What do you go with?
1: So... So, like, uh, I can take this, step, uh, but basically it depends on the roster as well as going for. So if um, there's enough of a roster to say, um, like, if there's enough to comment, like, okay, well, the CCMP is probably he's the only one there. Like, if there's a CCMP with a ton of experience, probably just bump him there. But if there's uh, room uh, to interview, it's like, yeah, I'll give the guy a shot. He, he might well me. I've uh, lucked out on some of those interviews in my career where it's like, they just randomly picked me because they had to <laughs> uh for different reasons but um the point is that uh, i mean it could take a step further i mean like uh even if there's like a ccna with like no experience or a ccna a ccie with uh, no experience like i would never pick that person for an interview aside from maybe curiosity because uh a ccie is practically useless if you don't have five ten years of oh, yeah. experience because yeah. that's ccie right and uh uh, to a CCMP, it's actually going to be fascinating how the market reacts with the new market because they're making the CCI or CCMP uh, less exams, but I estimate harder So, uh, because it's basically the new CCI you're in. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see if that adjusts the market uh, requirements or not, but uh, probably not. Especially
0: with the lack of specialization but, at the NA level. It's um, going to change the things a bit.
1: Yeah, uh, so... I think it's probably going to take a year for the market to fully decide what it's going to do. And, um, you never know. I mean, Cisco might say, Hey guys, just kidding. Uh, now there's, uh, you know, uh, a step between CCNA and CCNP now or something. Mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. You never know. They have like uh they're just waiting to see what the industry does. Cause, uh, Microsoft does these kind of shakeups there, but this is the first big, ne- um, networking shakeup for certifications. Um, now, um, so obviously going to the professional
0: level certification with no experience is kind of a red flag. Um, what if they go wide at the same level? If they get like Linux Plus, um, MCSA, yeah, that, all that, that
1: stuff. That's, that's, that's the other thing. So the thing to keep in mind is everything on your resume needs to be defendable. And when you're certified, you are saying that you have expertise in these, pro, um, these topics to this level. So what I mean by that is um, like if you're an MCSA, it's now perfectly uh, perfectly acceptable for me to ask you what uh, Global Catalog is um, in Active Directory uh, even if it's just a network handles position where you'll never touch Windows Server. The reason why is because I'm trying to figure out if I can trust your resume and get a feel for your knowledge level and such. So. Even if you're, um, so if you're going, know, So if you're uh, going for um, like a wide bunch of things to make yourself look good, that's great. But remember, uh, you got to be ready to defend it. Saying that my exam was a year ago, so I don't remember it anymore, is not a good answer. I've heard that a lot of times. Mm. Like, uh, I've actually politely told people, or maybe not politely, uh, told people that like, they should take their. CCNP off the resume after an interview because uh, oh wow maybe it's be a, <laughs> I mean, be a but, um, uh, The point is that if you can't defend the CCMP uh, it's hurting you more than helping you. Because if you're a CCNA and let's say I ask you an OSPF question and you get it kind of wrong, like maybe you uh, forget like one of the uh, you tell me like the wrong LSA or something like that, or you can't quite remember what X start is. You know, it's fine. You're a CCNA. I'm not expecting a lot of either. But if you're a CCMP and you get that same question wrong, I mean, that's damn near like uh, an interview interviewer because you're you're basically saying to me like, yeah, I worked on OSPF for a year. I'm a professional level with this man. And it's like, so you don't know how this works. Like, it hurts you a lot more if you get something wrong. Mm, that makes sense. And, uh, so uh, the risk is, is that when you're not actually working, like uh, I... Like uh, like this week alone, I did um, Azure Express Route, I did uh, the data center stuff, I did ACI, I did some Firepower, I did some DevOps uh, scripting. Yeah. And uh, anyway, the point is I configured um, probably 10 devices. Um, anyway, the point is, like uh, I'm constantly logged into at least something and I'm doing stuff there. So I'm usually pretty close to what I need to be if you ask me like a random question. But uh, if you're a guy who's like, okay, I did CCMP and now I'm working on Linux for a year and then I'm working on Microsoft and you never actually logged onto on to a Cisco switch uh, after that point and you're going to have a hard time keeping up all the, that requisite skill because you're, unless you're have a very rich labbing routine there where you're like constantly like uh making sure you're accurate on a certification and whatnot. Because if you have, I ask you like say, hey, what's F staff in Linux because you're Linux mm-hmm. plus then it's point against you even if there's no Linux at all in the job because you said you knew Linux, you said you're Linux plus and uh now uh like I'm easy able to do that there. So the example I like to say is if you like to, uh, if you put like I know Python on your resume, that's great. But be uh, prepared if I ask you to write you a simple or write me a simple script or something on the spot, or if I ask you what NetManco is.
0: Mm. No, I like that. So guys, listen to this: when you're writing your resumes, make sure everything you put on there you can defend. You know, um, if you got a cert that maybe is about to expire and you haven't messed with that technology at all, either. Learn up on it again or just take it off because if you encounter uh, Don here, he's going to tear you up. <laughs> not just me, there are other people. <laughs> so, um, I'm not a bad guy. So, I have, I have a quick question here because I, I kind of want to get a succinct um, just idea of how to get to where you are. Because, like, right now, you I, I can barely sum up all that you do and put it into one job title, but I'm just going to try. I'm going to say, like, you're kind of a, a network DevOps cloud. Guru? Is that, is it, would that be accurate?
1: Probably oh, like stuff. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we'll start there. Um, what would
1: someone. I think maybe the way to explain what I am is maybe just talk about my journey for a bit. Oh, sure. Yeah.
0: Let's, let's, um, how did, how did you become you? And that, that should probably answer my question because my question was going to be what certifications would I need to attain to be at your level?
1: So, I mean, my story is kind of a comp or a, I don't know if it's complicated but it's uh probably a bit more unique uh i was actually a carpenter uh on track to be a carpenter uh for the family business uh back in the day and uh basically what happened is uh my dad was one of the first people to see the benefits of um online business in 95 or so and uh he uh, basically made this website and um the, uh, you know, it's our e commerce. And uh, one day the uh, webmaster comes in and uh, to our store holding a floppy disk and says, Hey, pay me X amount of money or I'll destroy your website, kind of thing. And, uh, you know, this is back when a website could fit on a floppy disk. And also when floppy disk were a thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, explain to those, it's not the save icon. <laughs> it's,
1: <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it held about 1.44 makes. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, long story short, that guy got ran out of town because my dad, it was a small town. Someone and said, is your dad Bezos? Dad- <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wish. <laughs> you
0: wouldn't be having this call with me right now. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'd be charging you, that's for sure. But... Um, so anyway, my dad, uh, walked in and threw an HTML book at me and said, learn it. Uh, so I'm like, okay, that was this. Um, and, uh, so I ended up having to take over the website stuff. Um, speaking modestly there, I was probably a terrible web designer if I think back on it, but everyone was terrible back then. Um, and, uh, so anyway, uh, I did that, and then eventually I had to become uh, the technologist for the family business because we were a carpentry shop, and we did uh, Scottish heritage. So what we did is we would like engrave like your clan history or whatnot on like a decanter set and sandblast. It was actually a wow. nice product for a time, but and uh, so like I helped uh, like figure out like the laser software and uh, the uh, digitizer software for the embroidery and um, uh, all that kind of technical stuff and an industry that your listeners probably don't care too much about. <laughs> but, Someone uh, over there is like,
0: yeah, woodworking. Yes. All right.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, um, uh, was that was a for a bit. I did some like a plus level, like computer repair stuff. And, uh, for me, like neck gear was the best router ever because, uh, I knew where all the buttons were. <laughs> and, um, so, uh, basically at high school one day, I forgot my lunch and, uh, a college, uh, was doing a presentation and they had free pizza. I'm like, okay, I listen to you. <laughs> and that happened to be a Cisco course. And, uh, so long story short, I went to college for, uh, um, a certificate program for about a year. And then I won a scholarship to, uh, not a scholarship, um, an internship practicum, uh, practicum to, uh, health Canada for their network team. Wow. Um, because uh, I did good grades and stuff, and I talked the GIF good. and uh, But uh, the um, Health Canada couldn't keep me on because uh, after the term, because um, I didn't have a full bachelor's degree, and the uh, government is one of the sticking points there where they're very particular, like if you have a degree or not, or at least they were at the time. And around that time, DeVry phoned me and, and said, hey, Dom, if you move to Calgary, um, We'll give you a scholarship because of your you know, CCNA and uh, uh, your grades and stuff. I'm like, okay, i got nothing else going on. So I moved from Vancouver to Calgary. And, For those of uh, us not
0: familiar with Canada, yeah. what, what's the distance on that?
1: Uh, that would be about a 12-hour no, drive. That's, that's pretty far.
0: How old yeah. were you at the time?
1: Um, that was about eight, 18. Yeah, 18. Oh, okay. uh, so uh, about 19. And uh so anyway I went to Devry and found out that Devry was just fantastic, man. Fantastic. <laughs> <It was awesome. laughs> uh so anyway, I talked about Devry. <laughs> uh, I had the um, well basically Devry was a little bit uh unfair because um I already was an experienced CCNA at that point and uh I was going into a like a first run network program there and Around about the time they asked me if um, I could help them build their uh, voice labs uh, for the voice upcoming voice course, but they wouldn't give me credit for uh, the course afterwards and said, okay, I'm, uh, I'm done here. So um, I dropped out. But at the time I was working for um, Shaw, which is um, kind of like a Comcast, like a cable company. Mm. And uh, it's actually exactly like Comcast. They follow the model pretty closely. And... Um, they uh so anyway I did tech support for about a year and um uh, I did probably 50,000 calls in that year. Oh my gosh. Uh oh, n- nothing oh, makes I- you
0: want to study more than taking that many tech support calls.
1: Oh yeah, I've talked to like I've talked you cannot imagine the stupid. <laughs> um, like, uh, you know when you or maybe I'm um, Dating myself here, but uh, like I remember when I first read the A plus book, like uh, God knows when, uh, two thousand six maybe. Well, I was um, like
0: nine, so I wasn't too far past you.
1: Uh, anyway, I remember in the um, I remember, uh, in the first chapter of the A plus book, there was a section like A plus horror stories. Like, oh yeah, the guys used uh, the CD tray as a cup holder, and they tried to use uh computer. Uh, the computer while There's a power outage. It's all true. I literally have the power outage call. Like um, my first call was actually kind of hilarious because the way they do uh, tech support is um, they do uh, shadowing. So um, what they do is they uh, have a splitter and Mm -hmm. they have you answer the call when you're ready and then they kind of listen in and do quality assurance. Uh, So the guy I got was a man uh, named... um, I'll just call him a uh, and um, he believed that the uh, Shah people were actually German BS-9 agents uh, working for Mossad to steal his secret project. Sounds logical. Uh, I'm following, yeah. Sounds logical. And uh, uh, during the call, I... Um, because he said he had a list of um Israeli agents inside side so I'm like okay <laughs> fax it to me so he faxed it to me and I wish I kept it over the years but it was basically like you know the spiraling diagram like it wasn't like name 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 it was like every like like uh court like uh words had like it was just like a huge warp of words um anyway uh during this call um uh, like the uh the guy uh, shadowing me is kind of freaking out cuz I well, this guy's paranoid as hell. I mean, I can't just cut in the call there. I mean, I was like, okay.
0: <laughs> you're um, one of them. You just made his list. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: so anyway, that was my first call. I've had everything from uh, wife's finding, uh, finding out why they're suspended because the uh, husband ordered $1,000 in porn to mm. everything you can think of. So anyway, uh, the good thing about it is it hardens your skin. Like, uh, after 50,000 calls, being yelled at doesn't really faze you, you know? hmm But uh, after that, I got moved to um, what they call um, plant operations, which is the uh, outside gear for the plant. So that's your fiber converters, your uh, fiber nodes, where you plug in your uh, neighborhoods and Mm. that kind of gear. And right up to the uh, CMTS routers, which is the uh, cable modem routers where they terminate the uh, cable modems. Okay. So I did that for a while, and... uh, that was uh, another thing, and that's what I call proprietary skill sets. So um, it's uh, on paper you might think it looks good because, hey, Donald's working on Cisco routers, and uh, he's uh, working on his network here. But at the end of the day, uh, when I talk to uh, like someone in an interview and they go, uh, Oh, Donald. So you worked on a CMTS router. So did you like DHCP or what? I was like, no, no, no. I uh, adjusted the RF profiles on the uh, modem for the termination because uh, the uh, line car was too saturated. And it's like, oh, that's great. Uh, so do you know SPF? <laughs> <laughs> and um, so anyway, um, you got to be careful. With proprietary skill sets is my point. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a, pri- or a proprietary skill sets they then moved me to video operations which is making sure the tvs work and i had to do what they call porn monitoring for a while that was a very weird experience
0: wow hmm uh, <laughs> who wants that you, job
1: oh <laughs> uh, never thought it'd be weird watching uh porn at work you are right it is weird
0: <laughs> <laughs> hr is like why aren't you doing your job come on don watch more porn <laughs>
1: <laughs> Actually, one of the funniest moments is because we're attached to the uh, call centers. so because we are considered um, kind of like a tier three. Um, and uh, so every now and then, a supervisor would walk in while we're watching something on thing, and he'd be like, uh, should you be watching that? And I'd be like, uh, I should, but you shouldn't get out. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But,
0: uh, yeah, um, hmm.
1: yeah. That, that would be so, yeah, so awkward. Video operations was boring and weird. Um, I did accidentally splice um, uh, porn into a Chris Rock movie. So that is something I did.
0: Wait, Uh, so this is like
1: broadcasting and you did this? Yeah, so there's something called substitutions, which is um, when you buy ad space, uh, you basically pay for, like, uh, say, Comcast, for example, to show your... Uh, advertisement on so many allotments and whatnot, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, what they do is um, they uh, cut out the advertisements when there's an outside movement and replace it with other channels that they meet their allotments. So like when the NFL Super Bowl comes out, you guys get all your awesome commercials of like, oh, look at the funniest commercials all year. This is amazing. In Canada, we have four commercials. We usually repeat it. We have uh, Tim Horton's commercial uh, yeah we usually have like a canadian tire some other like oh canada so great and then uh, <laughs> and uh one other one uh maybe like Tide or something who cares but uh, the point is that they cut out the really cool super bowl ads that everyone's all excited to watch and they put him with the usually the same four commercials because canada's kind of a cheap country that way and uh, they're not paying uh, super bowl money for commercials you know <laughs> but um uh, so anyway, what happened was um we were working for a new tool and um they uh forgot to tell me to check um select what spectrum to change. And when you do that, it picks the highest spectrum. What's the highest channels on cable usually? <laughs> usually adult channels. So uh ah. basically and, but uh Fortunately, I'm not the worst offenders. There's been some uh, people who put porn on hockey games and teletubbies, and oh my
0: goodness, uh, wow! Okay,
1: uh, <laughs> be careful when you watch your uh, let your kids watch TV. Uh, maybe pre-recorded. I don't know. Good, yeah. <laughs> but, just uh, just go
0: unplug. Just go watch Netflix. That's all you got to do.
1: Yeah, that's uh, wait. so. Anyway, um, from there, um, I kind of got. Um, uh, I got into a situation at Shaw where um, because uh, there's so much politics and ISPs um, uh, like at this point I was a CCMP and I was uh, trying CCIE exams and stuff like uh, that experience but I could never get on the network team and basically the reason why was politics because I was a good worker in my current department and my uh, if they let me leave that department then you know, the work goes down. And so basically what you find in ISPs is that the good people basically stick around till they quit. And the, uh, other people they just kind of fall upwards, uh, because, uh, you know, no one really cares. So they move on. Right.
0: Interesting. So the, the, the moral of the story is, um, learn a lot, but don't work too hard.
1: Yeah, pretty much <laughs> for ISP environments, Anyway. Uh, so anyway, um, I, uh, quit and ended up working, uh, I took an offer at a competitive uh, or a competitor uh, ISP uh, and I became a network architect basically. And I helped uh, them roll out uh, 3G when it was coming out across uh, Alberta and BC, two provinces.
0: Goodness. And,
1: wow. And uh, that was a fun project. That was, um, I think it was like 1500 nodes. Um, it was um, Juniper, Juniper, uh, EX switches to terminate the, uh, Huawei mobile equipment. And then, uh, we connected it to either Cisco or Acatel. And that was full MPLS, VPLS. Uh, we terminated on a big, uh, Juniper T router, which was like the biggest of its time kind at the time. And, wow. uh, so that was, uh, a lot of interesting work there. Um, uh, around that time, I, uh, basically said, you know what, uh, Basically, I got uh, messed over, and this is another good lesson for you guys. If you're going to do contracting, pay attention to your rates, because what happened is uh, um, I um, I was uh, making decent money for what I was doing, but uh, I was effectively a team lead, and uh, my contractor company was basically billing me at 100%. So that means if I was billing a hundred or fifty dollars an hour, they were billing fifty dollars an hour. So basically, the company was getting a hundred dollar bill for an hour, uh, mm. and usually it's supposed to be like twenty percent kind of thing, right? So uh, basically, uh, you would work up to like seventy bucks instead. So basically, what happened is at the time, like a project ended, and uh, they basically said, "Hey, look, uh, we can put you to another visit or another contract role because we're." Going to give the other guy the job because I didn't ask why or didn't want it, because I would not been tied to that project for the rest of my life. Um, and uh, they basically said, "Like, look, your bill rate's too high. Like, uh, we can't justify paying this money on um, on for uh, that uh, for that kind of, kind of works so I'm like, "Okay, that's cool. I'm just gonna do my full-time consulting thing." Uh, but first, uh, before I continue, I have to ex- uh, tell you a funny hiring story where it goes wrong. So, uh, we needed a new person on my team, and uh, well, not my team adjacently, but um, basically uh, a team that does more of the network operations mm-hmm. and the network builds. And um, so, uh, we went to uh, my boss ba- or the director and basically said, "We need a guy." and uh, the director we called the voice of Dune because he never really spoke up, and he just kind of, when he heard his voice, it was like usually, he uh, was uh, insanely technical in the ISPs, basically, we just tear you apart in meetings. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's also a very troll-by-fire guy. So um, this, guy came, this guy came in, and uh, he um, basically said, oh, yeah, I'm an ecto guy. Oh, yeah, I'm a CCMP. And my director's like, Cool, and like I wasn't in the interview or anything like that, so it was like, uh, so I come in the next day or so, when the guy's starting, and uh, coffee in hand with the other guy, and like, oh, you're our Acutel uh, expert, blank of a connoisseur's face. Uh, it's like, oh, okay, that's a weird reaction. Um, so uh, at ISPs, especially, especially for contracting roles, uh, there's usually no cross training at all. There's uh, they're basically hiring you for your skill. So uh, oh, weird. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. So there's no like, uh, we're gonna train you for six months. It's uh, when you're a contractor, it's like, here's uh, your token to log onto the network. Let us show you how our routers look, and let's get going. So yeah. it's like uh, there's no uh, there's no ramp up like uh, you would expect if you got hired there. Just another FYI for people who are considering contracting. But, when you uh, say contracting, I you mean you're
0: working for a VAR and you're that you
1: not necessarily a VAR, but uh, a Basically a uh, contracting uh, firm. Basically an outsourcing. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, VAR would be more a consultant. But, uh, but anyway, uh, so uh, anyway, uh, the guys like, were like, okay, that's weird. Uh, here's your token. Let's uh, log into this PE router. We'll show you how, or DSLAM. Let's show you how we do the uh, stuff you need to be doing. And the guy doesn't know how SSH is or what SSH is. I'm like, whoa okay this is uh obviously, so i have a quick cuddle with my buddy there and we go okay look uh, this guy's uh obviously a fraud but uh you know we can't uh it's like it's gonna take a week or two to get a posting out and stuff like that let's so just uh put him in acceptance and we'll deal with it next week uh, acceptance is when you build a router. There's usually a guy who logs in and like makes sure that the interface descriptions are all on.
0: Mm, okay.
1: And, like basically making sure it's set uh, for the company. So anyway, most people do like ten a day or something. This guy was doing one. And. Um,
0: <laughs> well, he had to Google how to SSH, and then he had to. <laughs> yeah.
1: Exactly. Anyway, um, his last day was. Um, uh, he. um, Basically, he walked away to go to lunch, and he forgot to lock his computer. My right, next lesson is always lock your computer in front of your team people. <laughs> Even if you're going to tie your shoes. Like, Oh, seriously. yeah.
0: I've, I've learned that lesson, too. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so, anyway, one of the guys that are on the team, he because um, there's a laptop docking station kind of thing, he um, uh, came out of the command control, down, or whatever, but he inverted the monitor. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And um, – <laughs> So, um, anyway, the guy comes back, and he's confused, and he um, he uh, takes the... Um, oh, no. <laughs> I got a prop for this one. So Oh, we got a prop, takes, all right. He, yeah, he uh, takes the laptop out of the docking station, and he turns like this, and starts, like, typing away.
0: No and way.
1: I'm, like, just sitting there in my... Uh, corner cubicle laughing and laughing because I think he's turning the joke on his head then I watch him for another 10 minutes
0: and he's serious
1: (laughs) he's serious (laughs) so anyway I phone my director and say uh, you know uh, but uh, when you're a contractor it's not like uh, you go into the HR office and you're you're done you're fired Um, it's uh, basically we basically say yeah no more hours for this guy and then you know they figure it out it's like that guy in uh, office space where they uh is sound in the closet um, yeah <laughs> uh, uh so anyway, uh, so anyway, uh the guy uh like obviously his contracting firm tells him that you're done kind of thing and he uh emails me and um Broken English because, of course, and he basically says, Donald, you have to help me. They fired me because I asked for more money. I'm just there, like, you asked for more money. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's one of my funny uh, hiring stories that I can get into. Um, but anyway, after that, I became a consultant first time or full time, and uh, it was going pretty well. Uh, but as a single person, I could basically. Um, I did like uh, Guru dot com and Elance and that kind of old desk. If you remember those,
0: mm-hmm. yeah,
1: uh, I did a lot of that, and I uh, got actually a lot of good work. But uh, eventually, the uh, hosting market recession hit, and um, uh, got a, a lot of good experience. But it was becoming like you know, I might make a couple grand uh, in January, and then. I might make uh fifty bucks until like April kind of thing. So at this uh, point
0: you were not working for any one company. You were just completely doing your own thing, consulting, contracting kind of stuff. Yep. Wow.
1: So so I was just like um I was like, I can't do this anymore. Um, I'm um I'm uh just gonna take next interview that um that um actually there was another thing before that step is I got drunk one night, which is always a good uh, thing, and I was looking online because I was like I need a steady job, and I um emailed um this guy uh I emailed uh this random uh, company I found cuz it was typing, like consulting work or something, I was I was drunk, and basically said like uh hey, I have 6 uh, CCMPs, what do you got for me? <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't realize the company was actually based in uh, Edinburgh, in, uh Scotland. And uh they're like, you probably didn't mean to uh, do this, but um, uh, uh, anyway, here's some work for you. So, uh, so I wow. finally got work as a, from, a, uh, from Scotland uh, through, um, uh, through uh, a random email. I was about to be impressed with the balls in this, right? Uh, <laughs> so lesson number
0: five, uh, apply for jobs while you're drunk. It'll give you fake confidence and it might turn out good.
1: Yep, uh, so that worked out for a bit. Uh, and then I ended up working for a Juniper Focus Far for a while. And uh, that also was pretty good, but that eventually dried up because the company uh, basically got bought out and so on and so forth. So uh, so anyway, uh, I was like, okay, well, I need a steady job. I did the consulting thing about as far as I can go for independent. Uh, I, I need to join someone. So I basically said yes to the next interview that phoned me. And uh, I did the interview and did well because obviously look at me. And uh, <laughs> I mean, you have
0: like 20 CCMPs.
1: Duh. Yeah. And uh, it was actually, we hit it off really well. Um, uh, and like the next day they sent me an offer and I basically turned, uh, basically it happened so fast. I didn't even realize it was a network architect position. And, um, oh, wow! so, uh, I was like, okay, cool. So I did that for about five years and I was with the government, uh, with what we call uh, crown corporation, which is, um, basically it's government mandated, but, uh, community uh, funded. So I was, I worked for a utility sector, so it was, uh, funded by the power companies, but it was controlled by the federal government. Mm, okay. I don't know uh, U.S. equivalent of but, uh, we call it crown corporations, but uh, anyway, I did that for five years, and that was pretty great. Um, but uh, they are a very there are a small shop, but they're a very complex shop. So it was um, like only forty devices, like network devices. But I was doing like uh, you know we had our solar winds. I had my HP for replication. I, I was doing um, the Citrix environment. I was doing their RSA. I was doing their Checkpoint uh, for security. Uh, that was uh we were doing um that's a hodgepodge like large, of stuff yeah a hodgepodge of stuff uh like uh basically it was uh because it was government fund it was like critical about all the data and stuff there so spent a lot of money on redundancy mm. and layer two links and we built one of the first well not probably one of the first but one of the like uh one of the first overlay kind of networks for a government solution uh, well, at least that i was aware of and um but uh, um anyway, uh, so it had a lot of complexity eventually the uh complexity runs out, and uh <laughs> because eventually, as an architect, you do all the projects and they hired me at the ceiling uh, uh, the only way went and my manager wasn't going anywhere anytime soon, oh, so uh, yeah, not that I wanted anyway the so, uh yeah, that place was frankly horrifically run from a management perspective, but um. But uh, everything else is great, but uh, another thing you have to do in your career is you have to make a choice. Uh, you have to decide, am I comfortable with uh, where I am? Like, am I happy here, or do I want to move on? Like, I could have uh, stayed until this day at that company, like everyone's happy with me. And basically, uh, I would make good money, or relatively good money, and, and I would, uh, you know, have decent status and whatnot, but you know, good benefits, but I wouldn't... Um, for some of
0: it. No, you're good. No, nope.
1: okay. Uh, um, um, but uh, when you ask me, hey, Don, what are you working on there? I'd be like, yeah, I um, help the Windows 10 to I <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, that's cool. What else? That was... Well, you have to decide eventually What's viable to your level? You? Uh, yeah, is. Yeah. So, because uh, basically, like, uh, I could have all the CCMPs or CCIEs I want in the world, but... Uh, if I'm using that to configure a VLAN once a month and, uh, logging into solo to, uh, tweak a timer every now and then, then eventually your resume is going to get stale because you're not justifying your position anymore. Right. Yeah.
0: And some people love that situation, but I, I'm scared for those people because I mean, eventually there's gonna come time for a network refresh and there's going to be something that replaces them or they're not going yeah, they to, to stick around
1: outsourcing or, uh, a shakeup or, mm-hmm. uh, what have you, right? Like, uh, so uh, and actually, ironically enough, we'll uh, get to it back to it. But I still consult to that, uh, for that company for my new position. Uh, so it kind of worked out in a way where I still do all the fun stuff. So I kind of feel bad for anyone they replace because I'm kind of grabbing all the good work. <laughs> but uh, but um, so anyway, uh, I uh, in one of our more complex projects, we were moving data centers and. Um, uh, we're moving our uh, local office to a data center and then we're having another data c- another data center for uh, redundancy. And it was a large complex project there and uh, I worked very closely with um, a Cisco partner and uh, the Cisco partner was quite impressed with me there and we hit it off on a personal level. So uh, he wanted to hire me then but Basically, we felt that ethically, it um, probably wasn't a good idea to steal their network architect right in the middle of a move. what the company itself is working. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, no, I, I've been there before too.
1: <laughs> so, uh, so we uh, basically put a pin in it for a year, and um, basically, uh, we met up again on um, just a uh, catch up. Uh, it is uh, right around the time when Firepower was coming out there because basically. Uh, I uh, asked the guy, like, hey, you were mentioning uh, this firepower is going to revolutionize uh, security. Uh, and, it's like, and he asked me, like, why do you want to know? It's like, oh, you know, I'm just kind of curious. like, are uh, you looking for a job or something? I was like, oh, maybe. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, so anyway, long story short, I became a senior consultant for that Cisco bar. And a uh, senior consultant is um, typically on the post-sales uh, side. So, uh, basically you handle the delivery. So how it usually works in a partner is that you have, um, and they have different names, but uh, my company is a solution architect. They talk to the customer and they basically build uh, the framework of what the customer is going to use. Like, Hey, this is going to be like Cisco call manager. And this is going to be
0: some like pre-sales kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Pre-sales. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then the they hand it off to me and then that, uh, it'd be my job to decide okay well we need five VLANs for this and this is going to be the IP scheme and here's the actual firewall so I would actually handle the implementation side so basically it's kind of like for those, it's kind of like going from uh, an architect design to an engineering design in implementation okay, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, so anyway I did that for a while and uh, I was quite good at it and everyone was happy with me and then uh I got promoted to principal consultant, which is um, basically a team lead for the um, senior consultants. So, and I'm also now technically both pre and post sales. I'm basically, I can do what I want. Um, I still focus. (laughs) Do what you want. That's the kind of
0: job people want right there.
1: Yeah. So basically uh, I still focus on implementations and whatnot. And we can talk about some of those projects in a minute, but, uh, I'm also a subject matter expert for things like SDN and uh, automation and cloud and security and I'm starting to feel very uh, modest here. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but basically they would bring me in for uh, whatever and I would help the pre-sales presentations and I would go in and you know I would uh, do like a presentation with the uh, companies uh, to say like, hey, this is, uh, what we can do for you. This is how this technology works and, uh, that kind of thing. And recently I've been doing a lot of presentations for Cisco. So I've been, um, I, uh, earned a really cool certification called uh fire jumper, which is a partner community. Yeah. When you
0: told me about that one, I'm like, um, that sounds made up. I, I don't believe you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, it's uh, from the source fire days when they, uh, acquired firepower. But, um, Basically, what it is is uh, you. um, What do I try and tell you? Uh, Basically, what it is, this is pre-sales exam, and how they do it is uh, you have to give uh, one presentation on the overall Cisco uh, Cisco um, security framework to uh, to the evaluator and uh, express you understand the end-to-end suite. Because Cisco actually has like the most end-to-end uh, vision for security. They have everything from email security to web security to DNS security. Right. How it all works together. And then um, the uh, then I have to do uh, presentation for each technology that's in the certification track. So, for example, the last one I did was with ICE and StealthWatch, which is a NetFlow security tool they have for uh, east-to-west security. Mm-hmm. And, uh, really cool solution by the way, but, uh, so basically I did a presentation, uh, basically I have to do a hands-on demonstration for the tool to say like, this is what ICE is, this is how you check these reports, this is how you do this, like, blah, blah, blah. And for StealthWatch, I would have to do the same thing, like, hey, here's uh, how I would prove that there is no data if, um, data being stolen or anything like that. And basically the evaluator would pretend to be uh, the customer would ask, uh, Load of questions to try and throw you off your game. Mm-hmm. Uh, to uh, oh, um, uh, what about this there, or do I need a license for that feature or whatever? And basically yeah, there, as and then you also have a lab portion we have to do for each technology. So that was a fun part. And I also had to do the help the company with the master security um, audit for Cisco there, where we did a three-hour presentation. Oh my gosh. To, Uh, it was timed, a three-hour presentation to cover all the end-to-end security products and how to implement them uh, uh, using a customer case study. So basically they say like, oh, we're adding five branches and yada, 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 and then uh, the four of us across the three hours uh, would say like here's how ESA email security would handle this and that and it would tie to this and that. So That was a very intense thing. Um, It was a A lot of very long days there because uh the day before i basically flew into toronto and uh before the day two days before we flew into toronto and then um we did basically 10 hours of dry runs because basically three hours each and take some notes and do it again because like literally the guys with stopwatch on three hours and uh my goodness so we passed but yeah uh project wise i've done everything from um i try and focus on end-to-end solutions if i can so like um
0: let well, tell say what Don. Um, we're running short on time here, Bud, and uh, I think we're going to have to uh, dive into this on another live stream and talk about your projects and uh, more stuff. But I got a quick speed round for you if you're ready for it. Sure. Go for All it. right. So um, I'm going to ask you this question because you mentioned earlier your favorite routing protocol
1: and why um, ODR because everyone forgets it exists ODR on-demand routing. Oh yeah, yeah. It's the C D routing protocol.
0: All right. Throwing a curveball at me, huh? All right. um, First certification you would recommend someone get after CCNA?
1: I would say MCSA. MCSA. Interesting. Why? Because um, Windows is kind of – it's uh, one of those things where every company uses Windows somehow. There, but when you're a junior, you kind of it's not. Uh, people aren't finding it sexy and cool and hip. Uh, a lot of times, like they think Azure is cool, or whatnot. But there's not. I'm not seeing a lot of people going like, "Oh yeah, I, uh, I want to try and figure out how a file server works." Like, uh, so
0: uh, I like yeah, you use the word sexy because I do think Azure is very sexy, and MCSA just doesn't really meet up those to those standards for me.
1: Yeah, so it's uh, it's worth it because it's for two reasons. One, it helps you under talk to the server teams uh, so you can better understand each other. Because uh, when they say like a uh, hey, uh, Active Directory is not working uh, for your firewall, and you go, "Well, that's just DNS traffic. Like, uh, what do you want?" kind of thing. Like uh, you can, uh, you, can uh, you can talk the game also, a little bit.
0: Yeah, like yeah, no, that's that's yeah, bullcrap right there. Yeah.
1: Down, right? but uh, you can uh, basically because the network is explained for everything so you want to be able to at least have a intelligent uh, conversation say like hold on that doesn't make sense did you consider this and two um when you're making your labs or whatnot it's so valuable to be able to just make a domain controller oh and, that, that uh, is so valuable good oh and uh honestly uh just spend the time learning the skills or even if you don't do the certification because just being able to uh, spin up um, a whatever server as you need to, like uh, even if you just want to like play with ADS and whatnot, like uh, you can just install the network policy server role in five minutes and you can play with ADS on your Cisco device without having to uh, deal off the complexity of like a ICE implementation.
0: Mm. No, yeah, you're exactly right. Um, okay, um, so MCSA after CCNA, which well, that was I've never heard that before. That's interesting. Get both sides of the, uh, the, the big vendors. Um, Azure, AWS, or Google Cloud, what's your favorite?
1: Well, I'm mostly working with Google Cloud. Uh, I'm doing a lot of DevOps projects on them there. Uh, that's their focus is uh, DevOps um, community. Uh, largely why is because they um, don't have as many... They're not as rigid, they basically say like, hey, code towards us and figure it out. Um, uh, Yeah, a part of that is because they don't quite have the maturity to have all the tools that you would expect in the portals, so it's kind of a- uh, Interesting. But uh, Google Cloud is probably the hardest cloud to use, but it's also probably the favorite for developers. Um, I'm doing a lot with Google Cloud, we can talk about when we have more time. Uh, I like Azure for infrastructure. Uh, it makes a lot of sense for a lot of companies, especially if they have an enterprise agreement, uh, enterprise agreement. If you have fears, don't know is a licensing agreement. You have a Microsoft from your big company comp, or a big, uh, when you're a big company and you have a contract with Microsoft, that basically says, Hey, I can use these products for free. Mm-hmm. And point with an EA, you can negotiate like a 200 grand a year agreement for Azure for your costs. And, uh, so, it makes it very, very easy uh, for people to say, hey, you know what, we're going to extend to there. Plus, Azure, like Active Directory and all those kind of features. Like It's very easy to hop to Azure when you're primarily Windows. Which shop. is
0: most people, most companies. Yeah, which
1: is most people. And then you have solutions like Azure Stack for the corner case scenarios and stuff. But uh, AWS, I kind of find in the middle. There's a lot of politics around um, AWS. Like, someone made a joke that I was. Uh, my dad was Jeff Bezos, and well, uh, basically, uh, that comes down to the fact that a lot of people, like, uh, literally, can't use AWS because there's corporate policies that say, "No, we can't. Can we're not giving Amazon money because they're a competitor or they're trying, they're threatening to enter our market or like, we're not helping." You. So uh, that's what you get for putting your hand in
0: of... so many different pots. Interesting.
1: <laughs> that's how HP got uh, Cisco in the server market. Wow, did not know that. Yeah, basically what happened is they were friends back in the day and uh basically uh Cisco was like, Hey, we have switches and HP's like, Hey, we have servers, let's be friends. And then one day uh Cisco walks to the play uh playground and sees HP uh playing with a uh, ProCurve switch and like hey we got switches, isn't this cool? And like Cisco's like but we're switches.
0: And, uh, <laughs> hey, we got UCS. <laughs> yeah,
1: and next thing you know, uh, HP comes to the uh, play uh, playground and goes, the see Cisco playing with the servers. Like, oh, we have a UCS there. And HP kicks in and Cisco's face and says, I'm going home.
0: <laughs> <laughs> OK, so Google Cloud, interesting. Azure sounds like that's your second, at least for infrastructure, and Google Cloud for um, DevOps. And AWS is kind of the uh, wicked stepchild. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, it works. Man, there's nothing wrong with AWS. Um, if you're a junior, what I'd recommend is um, try not to pick a cloud. Like, uh, you shouldn't be just aiming for cloud, like without any work experience. Um, what you should be doing, and uh, this is the same thing with like wireless and phones and that kind of stuff, is work for your company, find out what they are using, and go from there. Because what's going to happen is. Uh, if you uh, get your AWS certification, and I'm an Azure shop, that's great. I'm. Good. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, if uh, likewise, if you're like uh, you go ahead and get your CCMP wireless because it's really cool, and they go, that's great. I'm an Aruba shop. Uh, there's uh, not enough overlap there for you to make sense of um, how Aruba does things because they're too different even though they do the same things and same, it's similar cloud. They, they all achieve different things, but they do it in different ways and different books. Oh, right? I
0: love your saying, cause you're, you're, you're backing me up. I've been saying this for a long time. I said, people always ask what certification should I go for? I'm like, man, just get into a company and whatever they value, whatever they're using go for that because you're going to, you're going to land so well cause you can actually back up your certification with experience. Um, other than that, um, it's going to be kind of useless. Just,
1: I know that point a little bit is, um, This, uh, the upcoming years is, uh, and we'll talk about this uh, next time, probably a bit more detail, is uh, multi-cloud is becoming um, a very uh, real fad where companies don't just want AWS or Azure, they want both of them for redundancy. And what's going to eventually happen is um, you're going to get effectively a stock market. And um, for uh, instances, because if you have a DevOps playbook that has your app running in a Kubernetes container, you don't care what your platform. Oh,
0: that is, is interesting. That that's a whole so video that, right there, man.
1: And that, uh, if you want another teaser, now imagine, what if uh, for this month Azure says, by the way, this instance is going to cost you ten cents less per minute. Mm. That and you're or, and you're in the other club. You can make a stark market to this and say. Okay, we're watching the price of this. We're going to move that to Azure for this day, and then when uh, AWS uh, corrects its pricing, we're going to move back.
0: That is very, very interesting. Um, yeah, that's uh, where you get into like fun. cloud
1: automation. Then it's kind of the tools that Cisco offers with like Cloud Center. Yeah, well, I that
0: it's it's cool to see like Cisco have those um, uh, cloud agnostic tools, and then you see like. I, I mean I know Azure and AWS both have their monitoring solutions where you can monitor AWS with Azure and you can monitor Azure with AWS and you can move stuff back and forth. Like they're all very friendly and it's that's gonna be very interesting.
1: You can even extend ACI into the cloud now and you can do the same thing with VMware NSX and stuff. It's uh it's uh fast becoming like a cell phone model uh or a game there where you don't really like you just expect the cell phone to have the feature you want, you just kinda pick what make sense to your time or what your ecosystem you're tied wow. into just,
0: just imagine like multi-tier apps like your your front end's going to be in Azure your back end's going to be in AWS and like that's 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 crazy
1: i'm actually doing exactly that i'm doing a migration from um, AWS to Google Cloud for a client and basically what's going to happen is i'm going to migrate the application to the new framework and uh, then the back end stuff is going to remain in AWS to report it over so that's wild!
0: My goodness, that is too cool. All right, so last question, and then I'll let you uh, have a great evening. This is probably the most important question, um, and with you being in Canada, I'm not sure how it's going to come across. Coffee or is it about no? For- oh, I will bash. No, 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 no. Coffee or tea?
1: Well, I am Scottish, so tea. <sighs>
0: Well, that's the end of the live stream. Sorry to end on a negative note, guys. Um,
1: <laughs> no, it's okay. We can be I do friends. I appreciate a coffee, especially if there's Bailey's in it. Um, <laughs> I did actually go to or the Starbucks in Seattle to just get in and bought a coffee maker, so... I I try.
0: <laughs> well, good. Well, we'll have to work on that. Maybe on the next live stream, um, we'll do a, a, a kind of a coffee tea tasting thing. That might be kind of fun. Because um, I, I, I agree i uh, go with. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe we'll just go with that too as a chaser. I don't know. Uh, but Don, thank you so much for joining us on the live stream. Um, you're just a wealth of knowledge. I feel like we just could sit here and talk for probably days and days and days because you've done so much. But thanks again for uh, giving your expertise. And guys, if you have any questions, um, just jump into my Discord. Uh, Don is there all the time and he's super helpful and I love the way Don, by the way, you give back to the community. Like you're always on Reddit. I swear you're everywhere. Just helping newbies out. Um, being patient with them. I'm always
1: watching I'm like Santa Claus, huh? I'm like Santa Claus. I'm always
0: watching it, it, the most creepy way you can say that. That is true. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, you can find him on my discord. You'll see his name is like meow, 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 something, something. And he'll be saying more Cisco constantly. Um, Anyways, guys, that's about it. Uh, we'll catch you guys probably sometime later, and if not, in the Discord. Whew, that's it. Talk to you guys soon. That's
1: it. Right, cheers.